Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to Swarfcast. Before we start, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love the show, please rate it and write a review on your podcast app or tell somebody about it. It really makes a difference for us and we'd appreciate it. Okay, on with the show. I know very clearly it was uh, November of 2009, which was really the turning point for me being, like I said, well over 100 pounds overweight. And I just literally decided I I can't live this way anymore. I had really, really uh, amazing people in my life saying, you know, what good is all the success if you're going to you know, kill yourself because of the abuse on your body and your mind? Uh, And so you better get your crap together. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Today's guest on the show is Daryl Sutherland, founder and owner of Dillon Aerospace in Auburn, Washington, a tier one supplier for Boeing. Daryl is also a professional mentor. He believes in using the Kaizen manufacturing principles for personal development, as well as to improve a business. He believes in the power of mentorship so fervently that he spends over $100,000 a year for his own education. As a used machine tool dealer specializing in high production equipment, I've encountered plenty of fire damaged machines. An average fire costs a business $300,000 to $500,000 and six to eight weeks of lost production time. Installed on over 15,000 CNC machines, FireTrace protects shops running oil-based coolants by automatically detecting and suppressing fires within seconds. After FireTrace stops a fire, its system quickly rearms and you can have your machine back up and running in as little as 45 minutes. For more details, go to www.firetrace.com slash swarfcast. That's www.firetrace dot com slash swarfcast. I am really happy to have Daryl Sutherland, the founder and CEO of Dillon Aerospace in Auburn, Washington. They are a, a tier one supplier for Boeing and other aerospace companies. He's also an investor and a professional mentor, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about what that entails. In today's interview, we're, we're going to focus on two different things. I'm going to talk about reshoring and mentoring. From doing some preparation with Daryl, he sort of enlightened me how these two things are very intertwined. So just to get started, Daryl, Tell us what Dillon Aerospace is in a couple sentences and uh, and give us your story. You've got quite a story and we'll have to uh, stick to the highlights. So take it away. What is Dillon Aerospace? Yeah, well, I, I first want to uh, just thank you for having me out on your podcast, uh, Noah. It's always fun to be able to get out and have a conversation about how people show up in the world, how I show up in the world. Uh, the things that really just get me excited and get me out of bed every day. For many years, uh, just the idea of getting out of bed and rolling out and, you know, kind of doing the same thing over and over over again was uh, a very painful experience for many, many years. And and I, I, I decided at some point that, you know, the idea of being not happy in life, even though I was doing the things that I liked, I just couldn't figure out what was going on in my life that was uh, really not allowing me to 
to not just exist, but to really live. And it took me quite a few years to really discover this. And it certainly uh, didn't happen on my own. You know, I had to go back to the days of uh, growing up in, you know, being a, being a fat, bullied, red-haired, you know, buck-tooth, uh, sort of red-headed stepchild. Fortunately, I, was, I actually am red-headed, a little grayer these days, but grew up that uh, uh, Danny Partridge, uh, crazy, curly, red hair kid, and, you know, took a lot of crap for just being, being bullied and that type of thing for things that I had no control over. Yeah. And what it does as a young person is, is that in many ways, not that I want to see kids getting bullied, but it helps prepare you for life. And I go back to the days of realizing that I'm doing things that don't excite me, that don't fire me up and get me out of bed every day. Um, even though you had to keep kind of keep, keep the grind going. And fortunately I had a, a mother that understood I had a lot of energy and, and put me into martial arts. And that's when I really developed this passion for learning new things, but really teaching and educating people. And mm. I really kind of found my lane, I believe in being able to deconstruct ideas and concepts and synthesize them into individuals, unique abilities. And that was when you were really young. You found yeah, this you realized is back that. when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old, um, and then, you know, started progressing through the belts and uh, really took a, a real hard and a real hard passion for, for Taekwondo and the martial arts. And I think that was really the foundation of me trying to understand who I am, but kind of the value I can put into the world. I always like to build things. I actually came out to and was born in the Seattle, Washington area, which is, you know, Boeing Mecca and was headquartered here for many decades uh, because my grandfather actually worked for Boeing back in Wichita, Kansas. And then he was transferred out here and worked and ran one of the 737 lines back in the day. And so he retired 35 years um, from Boeing. And then my dad worked at Boeing as well for, I think, about 10 year stint. And then kind of the funny thing is now looking back is he was one of the individuals that was laid off back in the late 60s, early 70s, when they literally had a billboard in Washington state said, last one out, turn the lights off. And he told me, don't you ever be a Boeing number, like <laughs> finger in the chest kind of thing. You know, everybody worked for Boeing in this part of the world. So your dad said... I never want you to be a number. Yeah, working at Boeing. Yeah, don't ever be a don't ever be a number. And living in this part of the world, you know, like I said, this is Boeing Mecca, so this is where you know the the aerospace giants and all the subsidiaries uh, really came from. And and so everybody around me worked for Boeing at some way or was attached to. And so I was always a, a person that liked working with my hands. I never fit into the traditional school education model. Uh, that was a very painful experience for me for all the years I was in school because I, I'm just wired differently. I'm very visual. I'm very pattern oriented. I, I would say, again, that's one of my superpowers is being able to really dissect and synthesize, taking a lot of data, a lot of information and being able to identify how uh, it affects markets and people. And so, again, that was kind of been my superpower over the years. I like that you say that you have a superpower. I think a lot of people don't have that kind of swag to refer to their own talents as a superpower. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to me. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because if you would ask me that, well, let's say 10 years ago, uh, I, would, I would not have known how to articulate it or describe really what it is uh, that I do and can do today. Mm-hmm. And it took me a lot of years, you know, I, I'm, I'm 52 just a couple of weeks ago and it took me many decades to essentially figure out how to get out of my own way. 
Yeah. In fact, it took tens of thousands of dollars and, and many decades to figure out how to get out of my own way, investing in very high level uh, mentors, coaches, people that could really make an impact in my life. And I think that was really the turning point for me to not only become much more successful, if you will, in, in the business world, but uh, really start dissecting and creating tools that could help me be successful in all aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in this world, uh, the system teaches you go make a pile of money and go spend it and to impress people that you don't really like. Right? There's some funny cliche or saying about that out there, and and um, and I followed that path. You know, we we did pretty well financially for a lot of years. Um, built built a company that in our world is pretty tough to do to run completely autonomous. Dylan Aerospace. Correct, and that uh, gave me the ability to essentially take 10 years off plus from running day-to-day operations to actually be around and raise my kids. So you were very successful. Yeah. And and what's so interesting is, is that, but I I never really understood, you know, you have this idea, this vision, this thing that you want to go do and you just put your head down and get to work and then you accomplish these things. And then once you get there, you just drive right through it onto the next thing. And unfortunately for most of us that have, you know, developed any level of whatever, you know, in air quotes, the concept of success out there is that, you know, there's a lot of cliches around this stuff, but it's like, the success is really always about the journey. It's never getting the thing, you know, in this world, we have this concept about, again, making a bunch of money and then just spending it. Right. So basically income streams and and recreating. And one of the things I learned when I started developing tools to fix and change my own life was that I wanted to look at what the world was doing and teaching. And I wanted to do the opposite because I've always found that if everybody's already moving a certain direction, it's probably either time to shift or change or recognize that everybody's just following the herd and the times, the direction has already changed maybe a year, maybe two years previous. And the world is now catching up to that idea as opposed to, you know, being ahead of the curve, if you will. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, through all the pains and struggles I went through with uh, food and alcohol addictions, you know, drove me to gaining over a hundred pounds and really having a tough time. I know very clearly it was uh, November of 2009, which was really the turning point for me being, like I said, well over hundred pounds overweight. And I just literally decided I I can't live this way anymore. I had really, really uh, amazing people in my life saying, you know, what good is all the success if you're going to, you know, kill yourself because of the abuse on your body and your mind. Uh, And so you better get your crap together. And so spent that year realizing that, hey, first things first is I just need to get up every single day and start working out and then I'll put metrics around it. With like, so it's interesting in the aerospace manufacturing world, you know, we have the whole uh, uh, Deming's model of continuous improvement, you know, then, you know, turned into Kaizen and we have this Kaizen concept kind of jammed down our throat for, for decades in the manufacturing world. And of course we implemented those things with our AS9100 and you know, the various other certifications and classes of or levels, if you will, of certification that you have to have to play in the uh, precision manufacturing world. And I realized that these are all, you know, very systematic things that they don't just apply to business. What if we could apply them to our life? And this is where I created, started creating this concept of what I call today, live in Kaizen, which is taking the Kaizen principles from the, from the original Deming model and applying the Kaizen principles to my health and relationship. What are the Kaizen principles? So 
essentially the, the Kaizen model, and again, I'm just going to break it down to really tiny, simple terms, is take anything that you want to analyze and break it down to its root. Mm-hmm. And then start making small incremental changes at whatever lowest level you can, and then start analyzing the result at that low level. Okay. Then as you start creating and seeing the improvement, number one, when you're doing it yourself, you start realizing individual things about your, your own self, your life, that you may have never looked at before because you're really starting to get granular. You're really getting down into the roots of what the real challenge or issue is. You'll, re- you'll read in my book soon, it's coming out soon, uh, where I describe that model and what Toyota did a bit to try to put a frame around what the Kaizen concept and then what my version of the Kaizen concept, what we call live in Kaizen, really can do for individuals if they're willing to, you know, if you're, if you're ready to start making some changes and, you know, you want to yeah. get some different results, we can help people get results quickly because I, I understand this idea about how to break things down to the root, start making small incremental changes, mm-hmm. cross them over into other areas of the lanes of life. And it's been magical. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. One of the trends you're seeing, it seems like, is the reshoring and and things coming back here. Sure. What are you seeing and what are the keys to making this happen? That's that's actually a really good question. It's something I talk about a lot these days is this concept of being prepared for the reshoring. Why is it happening? Is it because China isn't doing a good job and we can do it more efficiently here now or supply chain's bad? Why is it happening? All of those things. Yeah, well, as as we've just all experienced here in this uh, recent COVID-19 world that we all uh, have been succumbed to, it's probably one of the greatest times to be in manufacturing and start a manufacturing company and or explode your manufacturing company right now because there's enough people that recognize and have just experienced the pain that the powers that be once they decided to start offshoring all this uh, super talent of manufacturing people and the parts and and, uh, processes uh, the United States, have put, have, we put ourselves in a terrible position from a national security level yeah. to just infrastructure level. And I, I saw, I've seen this coming now for years. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we started this, this initiative called I Love MFG. And all the tools that we're building behind the scenes was really 2020 was going to be a big launch for us uh, this year. We wanted to start the new decade out. A lot of these products and these ideas uh, to the manufacturing world because it's so critical now 
for us to be prepared for the reshoring of this work. And, and, I, and I'm telling you, uh, we're in this COVID, we're coming out, we're coming out of it now. But I'm telling you the, the next five years in manufacturing is going to be something like we've never seen in a positive. And you, so you think, you think in a way the COVID is accelerating this. I absolutely believe that. What, that's what it absolutely. seems like. Yeah. Because I mean, look, look, look what we just experienced. And, you know, when you get to this level where we're reliant on, again, there's, there are certain places for certain products to be built globally. That's fine. Right. But when it comes to precision, we started this I love MFG model. The MFG doesn't stand for manufacturing. It actually stands for moving, feeding and guarding America and the world, of course. And it's to get people to realize how critical manufacturing is in the United States. You know, we today kids have no concept. They just, you know, you literally order it online and the store, you know, delivers it to your house. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no connection between somebody taking these amazing skill sets, talents, and an idea comes out of your mind into some type of computer system, into some type of process, manufacturing gear, and then this physical product spits out the other end. I mean, nobody these days, and I'm saying nobody, uh, kids coming out of these education model has any idea about how, how anything manufacturing even, even works or would even have a place to start. You mean they don't have an idea of the big picture? Yeah, there's no big picture. There's no small picture. You know, they get on an airplane to travel. They drive a car. They have a, you know, a, a certain iPhone or Android device and no concept about any, how any of this stuff actually comes to be. And like I said, I think sure. today with this, this idea of reshoring, I mean, if nothing else, I'm going to drive the hell out of this message because uh, it's too critical for all of us in the United States to finally pull our heads out and realize that we are so critical to the infrastructure of the United States and the world for that matter. Um, but we need to get back to not just being in a country of ideas and then farm out the physical components of it, but let's be a country of amazing ideas and develop amazing talent that can build those products on our own shores to make sure we're taken care of first and being the leader out there in the world. Right. And then fine. Yeah, we can still farm things all over the world. That's fine. It's it's wonderful to be able to go to other countries and and help them uh, level up their worlds because we we do develop and build the best technology in the world still in the United States. So it's, it's time for kids to uh, uh, get their minds opened up. And a lot of people that have been displaced into all kinds of different jobs. You know, one of the key things that I thought was very interesting is nobody talks about manufacturing anymore, especially precision manufacturing. Um, yet we were some of the few companies, businesses, organizations that weren't shut down through this because we're deemed as necessary. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, nobody knows we exist, right? <laughs> we talk a lot about in this podcast a lot about the skills gap. I'm kind of tired of it, to be honest. Uh, but what you told me when we were prepping for this interview, you said that it seems like lots of people stumble into manufacturing. Yeah, and then then after they stumble into manufacturing. It's like, where do we go from here? So please flesh that out a little bit. That's really a fun topic, actually. We, uh, we used to say, you know, you could fall off a bar stool somewhere and get a job at a manufacturing company. And, and it just blows me away because you walk into, you know, like our facility, you know, we got the best technology on the planet, you know, five axis probe with cell systems and, and uh, all the best software and amazing, talented people. And we're a small company. How, how big is your company? Give us a picture. 
on the floor. We have about 30 folks. Okay. Total. You know, we have a, we have a software company we're building for add-on tools in the manufacturing space and a host of others. So we have a, a couple of really high-end um, engineers I hired out of the University of Washington uh, right. that are that are not on our floor. They're uh, remote in in Washington, and we're building some really cool tools uh, to help grow manufacturing companies and from an education model how to engage in manufacturing, okay. uh, but more importantly how to capture data from really talented people, data and information uh, from really talented people hmm. so you can capture standard operating procedures. Let's go back to the stumble. I know we get sidetracked a little bit, but the uh, the stumble of people coming, I would say coming into the space and then they come in and they really don't know what to do. And again, that's much of the training that we're building is how do we, how do we turn people into professional manufacturing people? Like that, that's, that's our sole focus. And so we built the whole model out about what I call the Pro 11, which is a, a series of taking these people that are, you know, as you, as you define, stumbled into the space. And let's help analyze who they are, how they're hardwired from birth, and then how they've been wired, softwired from their community. And let's turn them into and find the lane for them in the manufacturing space. And I can, I can let me give you a, a quick example of, a, of an individual that's in our organization that's, uh, you know, He's just, a, he's a total badass. So I, I always like to talk about him. In fact, when we won the uh, company of the year at the Pacific Northwest Aerospace Alliance um, uh, in 2018, my uh, accepted speech for our organization, uh, we actually shot a, a couple minute video about this individual because it's some of the things that we're doing to really make an impact in the aerospace and defense world is training talent and not just training talent, but discovering talent. Mm-hmm. So we have it. We have an individual, Georgie. Uh, he's 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 one of our super talents, and we actually hired him in as a driver. Now he was hired in from the team, and I would come down. and I'm like, man, who is that guy? He's got all this energy, and he's always fired up and excited, and he hustles everywhere. And over the over the next couple of years, it just the guy just had the right attitude, the right energy, and. I'd come back and I was doing a real deep dive and interviewing all of our team to really figure out as I was building some new tools and training into organization, really discovering everybody's unique ability. Like what is the thing that these individuals and how can we not go find talent per se, but how do we discover the talent that's already under our roof? I mean, this has just been a total game changer for us. And so we hired Georgian as a, as a driver. And, you know, as I was talking to him one late evening, uh, he was telling me that he has a, a CAD degree in SolidWorks. <laughs> like, like you, you do realize you work at an aerospace company, right? And so we, you know, joke back and forth. And, and I was like, man, this kid's just like super talented. I could see it in his communication. And you could see it already. You could just see it in him before he even told you that he knew CAD. He had an amazing and always had an amazing attitude, go-getter attitude from day one. And that's always the people I'm looking for. But why didn't he ever tell you? That's a really good question. He did answer that at one point. He's like, I just didn't know how it would, you know, how it would fit into our ongoing operation of how we process things and so forth. I'll tell you, there's, you know, a new sheriff in town and things are going to change. And so uh, I went through this discovery process of really trying to find uh, and understand our individual teams unique abilities and then realign them in our organization based on what they're naturally wired to do. One of the main things, I mean, you touched on it a little bit earlier is mentoring mentoring for you i'm assuming mentoring for young people how do you find the right mentor and how do you go about 
choosing the right mentor. How does this whole process work? That's something that I've always wondered and I've often thought about, wouldn't it be great if I did have a mentor? I mean, I, I think in a way my father has been my mentor, but I think it's important to have other influences. Yeah, no question. You know, we have so many resources today with books and podcasts and videos or whatever, but there really isn't a substitute for for a mentor. So give me how that works and yeah, elaborate on that, please. Yeah, that's a great question. Because uh, again, it, for me, that was the, the concept of mentorship was the, was the complete game changer for me. Okay. Because there's all kinds of cliches again around it, but you know, it, I think the simplest one is, is you don't know what you don't know. You can't see your own blind spots. So you don't know how to fix them. Cause if you knew how to fix them, you would fix them. Right. And so eh, maybe, I think, yeah, yeah, true. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you just, maybe you just decide to go home and watch TV and distract yourself and drink and not, not, not fix them. But yeah, there, there's no question. That's uh, unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people choose to live their lives. But, you know, most the, the people that live in are listening to this podcast don't live that way. So we'll, mm, maybe we'll assume everybody that's listening to this wants to at least make because, they're you know, they're putting time and energy into listening to, you know, a couple knuckleheads sit here and talk about life. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I'll stop interrupting you. Please keep going about mentors. Yeah, I I think the idea of having a mentor in your life, a lot of ways the simple analogies are, you know, if you played sports or if you were a musician or you went on backpacking trips or, you know, at some way, some level, somehow, you absolutely have to have a guide in your life. And that guide, you're never going to have one guide that's going to do everything for you in your life, right? You had mentioned that your father was your mentor. Of course, I guess, you know, it's kind of a no brainer whether all the experiences were good or bad is regardless, right? I mean, you had somebody in your life that helped guided you down a path. And at the end of the day, they did the best they knew how, right? And so you have to take that approach to having mentors in all aspects of your life. The very first thing you have to do at any given level is like, understand what it is that you want, Mm. right? I mean, like in simple terms, if I haven't figured out that I want to go and be a pro golfer, and I decided I'm going to go get an, you know, an archery expert to teach me how to shoot a bow. That certainly isn't going to help me learn how to swing a golf club, right? Yeah. So the idea is you got to figure out what it is that you want before you can decide who's going to help you. All right. Well, where do you find this mentor? I'm I'm looking for the dream mentor. Yeah. I mean that that's the that's the like the million dollar question, right? Uh, it takes time to go through some. I, I, what I started doing is joining uh, different mastermind groups and asking people, who do you work with? And that's kind of where I started. What's a mastermind group? You know, you can Google and there's there's hundreds or thousands of mastermind groups. You know, there's all kinds of uh, Facebook groups. And that's why I said is if you can decide the kind of path that you want to go down right now in your life, I'll tell you, you'll find a mastermind group and you'll find a group of people that couldn't can help you take that next step and move to that next step. Mm. The chances of an individual finding a mentor and that person, that mentor is going to be their mentor for the rest of your life is pretty slim until you really know what you want. Now, if you're fortunate to have those people in your life, you know, for me, uh, it took me, you know, probably six, seven years to actually find a couple people that I would consistently trust and believe in because they actually had gone to the place I want to go before I have. 
meaning they've actually done what it is that I want to do, which is really key here because I'm so sick of the, all these bullshit. Uh, oh, excuse me, but is no, nonsense. No, uh, it, it, we're an explicit podcast. You can. Yeah. You know, all the bullshit Facebook, uh, you know, hey, I went out and took a weekend seminar and now I'm a life coach, you know, that nonsense. Uh, and don't get me wrong. People got, you have to start somewhere. But what happens is, is now somebody's got a, a certification. Again, that's an air quotes. They have their, you know, one day or two day weekend certification. And now there's some super guru, you know, it's going to help you with all your life problems. And they take a bunch of your money and they basically give very highly paid mentors and consultants like myself a bad name because these people have not actually done what they say that they're trying to help other people do. So that's a, you know, sort of a big warning out there is to be careful uh, about these, uh, these weekend certified coaches. Thank you so much, Daryl. Appreciate this. You and uh, your audience can, if they want to see more about me, you can go to my personal webpage at DarylASutherland.com. If you want to uh, check out some of the tools that we're putting together, that can really make a significant. In fact, for your audience here, man, we'll give away the, uh, what we call my toys, which is this amazing 17 page PDF that will give you a really good start to this whole program that they can find at, uh, lifeapprenticeship.com lifeapprenticeship.com and darylasutherland.com From today's machining world this is a Swarfcast production If you like this episode please subscribe to the show and rate us on Apple Podcasts Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and todaysmachiningworld.com to see extended video interviews and join our mailing list. I'm Noah Graff. Our audio engineer is Bill Steffi. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information on todaysmachiningworld.com.